this is Panels to Pixels, Jessica Jones Review, Episode 1 and 2 of Jessica Jones, the Netflix series. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. So, Steve, what's going on with these uh, the show? Uh, it's <laughs> so a brand new show. It's, it's a brand new show. It's it's amazing. And, and I've, I've got a, a, a lot of things. I, in fact, my Episode 1 synopsis is, is way bigger than my Episode 2. So I'm just going to go right into it. Uh, episode one starts and we are introduced to Jessica Jones uh, through a voiceover narration, uh, which uh, gives the, the sh- it gives the show a great kind of noir feel about it. And uh, it's it's not used as much in the second episode, but it's definitely used well in this this first episode because she's describing what's happening is she's giving some information to uh, she's giving the bad news of a cheating wife to her client, the husband. And uh, they have a little fight, and we see her throw him through a window, uh, the window of her door. Uh, Later, we see Jessica at a big law firm, and she's being hired to serve a summons. And we find out that uh, she may have some anger issues. Uh, Next, Jessica is hired by a couple from uh, Iowa or Nebraska, I I think I might have got that wrong, to find their missing daughter and... It appears that this case is going to set up a lot of what is going to come up in the rest of the series. Through the investigation, we learn that the abductor is the same man who had some kind of a relationship with Jessica Jones, but we don't know exactly what the the nature of the relationship was, and that he has some kind of superpower to control people. Oh, and by the way, we also find out that Jessica Jones has some superpowers of her own. (laughs) <laughs> we meet a bar owner who uh, Jessica has been following, and uh, they engage in a one-night stand. And eventually, Jessica Jones does find the the daughter. Uh, she removes her from where she's being held. She brings the daughter, Hope, back to her apartment to meet with the parents. And as the happy reunited family is leaving, Hope shoots both of her parents to death. Jessica starts to leave but then changes her mind and decides to go back into the apartment building. And there was, there's a lot of other things that happened besides that, but I wanted to try to make that as brief as possible. Yeah. The, there was a lot that was going on within that first episode. A lot of different things that we did not know what was going on. It alluded to a lot of things like Jessica's powers. Where did she get these powers? We don't know. These are things to come that we have to learn as the, the show goes on, and uh, as well as Luke Cage, and uh, as far as how who is this mystery person that uh, is linked to her and Hope? Yeah, um, and uh, so in episode two, I guess we'll do it this way. Uh, in episode two, we're uh, Jessica is continuing the investigation into the man who abducted uh, Hope, and it programmed her apparently to kill her parents allegedly. Uh, we open up though in a police station where Jessica is being inter, inter uh, uh, questioned by a detective, and he shows her the pictures that she had taken of the bar owner. Who uh, you said Luke Cage, and I know that's that's who it is because I've looked at the IMDb page. Uh, but did they ever actually say his name in these first he two ac- episodes? Yeah, he actually said his last name. Okay, okay, I couldn't, I, I didn't catch that in my when I watched it, so. Um, but we, we see that she's, uh, we learn more about Kilgrave. We learn that that's his name. The bad guy that we're, that's this overarching bad guy is named Kilgrave. And uh, we learn a whole lot about him from hope. 
And uh, I don't know if we're going to get some more of that maybe in our top fives, but she really lays out exactly what what he did to her, what his powers are, this this kind of mind control thing that he has. And uh, then we also have this subplot going on between Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, where she reveals to him that the woman he's currently with, who I guess he just kind of sleeps around um is a married woman and he doesn't he doesn't do that so uh the husband uh, sends some guys to rough him up and jessica jones comes to the bar and we find out that now we find out that both of them have these superpowers and jessica through her investigative techniques proves that Kilgrave is alive she finds this man who uh, who drove an ambulance uh, that had Kilgrave's body in it when he supposedly had died and we find out that Kilgrave had both of his kidneys replaced donated from one person who is now trying to live on a constant dialysis machine and uh, because she's able to prove that Kilgrave is alive her friend her lawyer friend Jerry is willing to take Hope's case in the very last scene or the second to the last scene we find out a little bit more about Kilgrave and I've got some of that in my top five as well but we see Kilgrave entering this house and we get his perspective most of the scene we're just seeing kind of through his eyes as he's controlling these people he just kind of when the man opens the door he says you're going you want to invite me in oh I'm going to invite you in it's very Jedi mind mind power kind of thing and uh, he locks the kids in the closet and then we have Luke Cage coming to Jessica Jones' apartment and proclaiming himself as unbreakable. Very, <laughs> very comic booky there. Yeah, it's very, very comic booky, and it kind of reminds you when he says unbreakable, very much like uh, the Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah, when he puts the, when he puts the saw to his to his stomach, and and she just kind of comes over and, and feels his stomach. I I was kind of weirded out. At the same time by that, that it seemed kind of weird that she's like feeling his stomach and just kind of like, <gasps> you know, so, hey, you've already slept together. You've already seen the guy. So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, was there anything else in that uh, second episode? No, no, you, you very much summed it up very well. Uh, I would say we could move on to our top five. Yeah, because I think we're going to get into a lot more detail in the, in these top five is what I'm thinking. And then there's the matter of your bill. So we'll start our top five. Do you want to start us off you with sure. your five? I'll go. My uh, my my number five from episode one was just throughout the episode, we get these glimpses of this bad guy that has traumatized Jessica Jones. We hear his voice, but we do not see him uh, directly. Um, we, we see a couple of real creepy things. I mean, like he licks her face a couple of times and he, he speaks directly into her ear and, uh, it's just really creepy. And, and he's got that, that, uh, um, I'm sorry. I, I find it wimpy. He's got kind of that wimpy British accent voice that, uh, uh, I, I always just equate with, I mean, I know it's not, the, the you know, but it just, it's, it's kind of like if you've ever heard Andrew Lincoln, uh, from Rick from The Walking Dead speak in his real British voice, he sounds very like not Rick. <laughs> very high pitched. It's it's very yeah, it's very high pitched and it's it's kinda just yeah, it just it, it, it takes me out of it a little bit with with Andrew Lincoln, but with in this show it just creeps me out 
the way he, and especially since I'm a, a big Doctor Who fan, and so of course I recognize the voice of the actor right away. And uh, yeah. it creeps me out to hear that voice saying those things and, and doing those those things. So that was my, my number five, just the glimpses of Kilgrave that we got throughout the first episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely creepy. Uh, my number five would be uh, Jessica talking about Mr. Spheris' meeting on the phone, just trying to get information and it was just the weirdest conversation you could you see she's sitting on a toilet on the phone with the laptop and, on the sink yeah uh, and apparently she doesn't have any toilet paper yeah, I just and it just basically shows how she works and there's something going on there she's just not i'm not saying she's right in the head but she's not altogether herself <laughs> it was definitely I, I didn't notice the toilet paper thing until the second time through um, but when I saw her spin that toilet paper ring I'm like yeah that's happened to me before um, yeah she's like oh crap <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I really it's it's really cool uh, too because it shows us kind of her investigative uh, procedure kind of thing because you know she, she picks up on this this name of the other person's secretary. And I don't know if she researched, uh, Spheris's secretary. And that's where she got the information about the whole color squad flag team thing there. But that was really that she was able to play on that with the, the other receptionist or with the receptionist. She's not a receptionist, but pretending to be one. So yeah. I really, yeah. Yeah. I, I really thought it was very interesting. I thought it was pretty funny the way she plays it off. Like, completely uncharacteristic to who she is yeah. it, it just like gives you that whole perspective of where she's at what she has to do in order to get there and actually uh she does this again in uh episode two yes. in some ways yes she does she does <laughs> um all right so uh, my number four uh my number four is is malcolm is uh we, we this character of malcolm who lives in the building that she lives in uh and apparently is is kind of a shady character i think uh but i i, I really like the the guy uh in, in i want to see more of him uh, and i i love that when he's uh, in the fridge and he's like what are you doing in my apartment and she goes no you're in my apartment he goes oh that's why it's not crunchy and he's talking about the the peanut butter you know that i guess he likes crunchy peanut butter and she likes creamy peanut butter um yeah. but uh, yeah. uh and and then later on when they're riding in the elevator and he says she says she needs money and he says you can have my tv and she's like no and he's like i stole it <laughs> You know, and it's just that that whole relationship. Uh, I I think is is interesting, and I want to see I want to see more of this character. I hope he doesn't become like uh like a foggy type character from Daredevil, where we're going to end up seeing him get brutalized every couple of episodes. You know, or the the bad guys are going to clue on into who he is. And uh, but uh, yeah, Malcolm was my was my number four. All right. Uh... Well, my number four was uh, Gregory Spheris getting served. Uh, yeah, Jessica just punching through and doing what she does, intimidating, and just being a smartass of, like, getting her point across. And then that, that very last line, it's like, well, I'll, I'll get you with my laser eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that whole... Uh, that, 
that meta kind of attitude of well, these people the way they look at them as metahumans. Yeah. Uh, and in the Marvel universe, they they see them as special or whatever. In the DC universe, they, they usually call them meta, but I usually use the same term. Right. But uh, they're all metas. It's like they they whether they got powers or how they got their powers, who knows? But the the one thing that is right away, the guy knew right away something's wrong with her. She's got all these all the strength. She's mm-hmm. got everything. He's going to beat me, and then she uses that, and he doesn't even know if she has laser eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. The uh, The line, I had it in, in uh, my other notes that I, didn't, that I didn't put in these notes, but the, the line where she says, uh, you're, the, you give, you're the kind of people that give bad name to people like you or something, something like that. I, I really like that line uh, that, yeah, you, you make people like you look bad or something, something like that. Yeah. That <laughs> was good. Um, so my number three is uh, the interaction with with Hope's roommates, uh, or the and the new the new roommate. That whole uh, and and that's where we really see not for the first time, but but definitely we we start to get an inkling that that she may have some kind of powers. Like at the beginning when she throws the guy through the the door window, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, it's that's okay. She can I could see the you know a female character who's tough and kind of a badass being able to do that um but then she breaks in to the she turns the doorknob and just breaks in and i'm like wait a minute how can she do that um so (laughs) and then of course she's talking to the to the uh to the kid uh with the the camera on his head and <laughs> and that just that whole interaction of I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the camera out through your ass or something like that or, or your underwear through your backside or whatever she says that just is and, and the way they treated him when he says oh there's a box of her junk in the closet and he just stays sitting there and then the other girl is the one who says well go get it you know it's not even <laughs> Jessica Jones who says go get it it's the other girl who's like just do what we're saying you know so. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I really like that that whole interaction there. Yeah, the intimidation got to them mm-hmm. of what you wanted to get, uh, which should bring me to my number three. Yes, uh, Jessica flirting with Luke Cage while on the hunt for more information. You know, uh, and then it, it just all turns into her with him in bed. And and he, during that whole scene, it's like. He, she, he's like, oh, I'm going to hurt you. And she's like, you can't hurt me. And we all start to see, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, something's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the, she's got these powers. Obviously, she can't physically be hurt unless it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, th- it, there was a little mutual flirting going back and forth. Because he's the whole thing like, uh, like when he she's out on the street and, and or she comes in and he's like, oh, it's ladies night. And. And she's like, "Really? It's ladies' night." And he goes, "Well, I own the place, so I can say if it's ladies' night, you know." And then, and then at the end, when or before they go up to his place, and she's like, "Well, is it still ladies' night?" And so she's drinking shots, and yeah, and that that really kind of leads right into my number two, which is this this character of Jessica Jones, the 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 flawed characteristics that she has, 
And I hope we don't get too much of a resolution in this first season with with that. I mean, she's obviously got she's got some PTSD from this whatever happened with this bad guy, this Kilgrave. She's definitely alcoholic tendencies. She's got some voyeuristic tendencies because when she can't sleep, she goes out onto that fire escape with her camera and she's just randomly taking pictures and, and scoping out people in in their apartments and that was a little creepy to me when she you know, she focuses on on the woman who's on the treadmill for she's like two minutes on the treadmill and 20 minutes with the quarter pounder you know and then she <laughs> she spies on the guy who's sniffing his wife's shoes you know and uh, uh <laughs> It just, it just that that whole idea of all the the different little flaws that she has, and and uh, the the way she's trying to overcome them with naming those street names whenever Kilgrave comes to mind. And uh, I, like I said, I hope we don't get too much resolution of that in the first season. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some, you know, some of those things solved, but I, I want her to stay flawed in a certain way. I don't, you know, does that make sense? I don't want, we don't want a perfect uh, hero. No, no, there's always something hidden in any story. And there's only so much we could go in within one season. So I I think we're going to go into more as seasons go by within what's going on within her. Yeah. And little bit by little bit, they chip away. So my number two would be Jessica trying to get the girl out of the hotel room. Uh, that one scene, that would be Hope. Yeah. Yeah, she couldn't get her out of the bed. Something was keeping the girl in fear and to keep her there, you know. It's like she was just, like, stuck there. And, you know, with, when she actually mentions, hey, I can't leave. Well, I can't get out. I peed the bed. Yeah. And, and that look of fear of some sort of, some sort of influence on whatever this person had said to her, that, that deep, dark word that just forces the girl to stay in that bed right so yeah and jessica knows right away what's going on and who it is and she's just trying to get her to pull away to go to get out of it and she yeah inevitably gets out of it but you know it's one of those hard things yeah she's she's and i I had a i had an issue with this and i had to go back and and rewatch the scene a few times because uh i'm you can't tell when the girl gets a hold of the bag because maybe she loops it on her arm or, and we see her drag the bag across the, the top of the chest of drawers uh, or the dresser there. And then we see both of her hands trying to grab on to the door jam and we don't see the bag. And then when we cut to Jessica's apartment, there she is sitting on the couch or the chair, whatever she was on. And she's got the bag and she's clutching the bag to her chest with, with both of her hands. And I went back and I, I couldn't really see because of how dark it was in that hotel room. I didn't ever actually see her grab the bag. Uh, and that kind of, that, that kind of bothered me a little bit with continuity. I mean, I, I mean, I can, I can forgive it a little bit cause maybe she was able to loop her arm around it and we just didn't see it. But I mean, did, did that bother you at all? Or did you notice that? Not really. I didn't really see or notice it, but I knew something was up. Mm-hmm. Because when we do finally see the reveal that she has the bag, right? That's that you know, she had to have it somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I guess that brings me to my number one, which is, is very simple. I went into this not realizing that Jessica Jones had powers. I I really thought she was, and we talked about this during the Punisher recording. 
I, I thought she was like the Punisher. She was just another regular person who gets caught up into these extraordinary events. I didn't didn't realize that she was actually going to end up having, you know, superpowers. So, but I was pleasantly surprised. It didn't bother me. It just it was interesting that the the uh, I had to go back and I, I went back and looked at some of the IMDb things and and some of the descriptions of the the show before I suddenly realized. Oh, it does say. That she has, that she used to be a superhero. That she's now a superhero turned private investigator. And I'm just like, so that I, I kind of liked that 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 surprise to me. Yeah, it actually comes up later on uh, as the the season you know grows on about her past or when she did that. Okay. So and then there's a lot of things that open up about her and Trish. Okay. So yeah, there there are a lot of things that you know. It's like you start to develop all this information, and a lot of things come together a little bit more fluidly, and then you start to see a little bit more into Jessica's world and her life and her past, but not everything completely. There's only a little bit of a nugget that you, we get. Okay. But okay. Uh, it makes sense. My number five would be uh, number my number one. five. My number one <laughs> episode one would be. My number one is the girl she was hired to look for, you know, that would be Hope. The Hope winds up killing her own parents in the elevator. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was through deep suggestion from whoever it was that was taking control of her. Something is going on. We just don't know what it is and how much of a suggestion this does. It's just through words that, like, from what she was saying, like you were saying before, Kilgrave would just use words to influence mm-hmm. and then force these people to do things do all these things it's like i, I he would say something and then they would just go into it yeah well kind of like the, the restaurant when she goes and she visits the restaurant and they say that the the, the maitre d gave him the best table in the house even though somebody else was sitting there they gave him the best bottle of wine without charging him the chef who's a a, a japanese cook chef went out and found the recipe for this Italian entree to make for him, you know? And so you, you, you see there's something, okay, there's something with this guy. He's got some kind of power. We don't know exactly what it is yet. And I, I when I watched the episode for the first time, I, when they, they go to the elevator, there's that moment where hope stops and she turns and she looks at Jessica and you see her hand reaching into the bag. And as soon as she, I, I saw that, I went, Oh, she's got a gun in there and she's going to kill him. Like, I, I was like, I was like, I cannot believe this is what this is going to come to. Cause, and I really expected that she was going to kill the parents and kill herself. Like that was yeah. what, that was what my expectation was, was that the elevator doors were going to open and all three of them were going to be dead. Not that there was going to be that she was going to have an empty gun and she was going to look at Jessica Jones and say, smile. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, it made me wonder if maybe that, that whole thing about smile, maybe if that was part of his, his deal with Jessica, maybe he said that to her a lot. So that helped trigger in her um, the understanding of who, I mean, she already knew who the guy was because he had followed from what we know from her conversation with Trish and what happened to Hope that she followed, he followed the same pattern with Hope that he had done with Jessica Jones. And what we don't know, at least at this point, we don't know what he made Jessica do. Or if he was able to make her do, you know, something. Um, it's not till the next episode that we see 
uh, some more of, of what happened between the two of them. Yeah. It's just, it's a wild ride for the first episode. We don't know exactly what's going on. We're just only witnessing everything for the first time. So it's really interesting just to see how everything unfolds and where we're at and just who's who and what's what and what powers who has and what is she looking to do? We know that she's a PI. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. and I love that scene. And I, in fact, I rewatch when I rewatched it again, I, I really, really focused in on, on that scene it, when, and I, you know, in fact, I watched it again today before I started watching the second episode. Um, again, that end scene where she walks outside and she, and the cab stops for her. And you think for a minute that she's going to get in the cab and she's going to leave. And, and we don't know where the story is going to go from there, but then she stops and she gets this resolve on her face like she knows what, what she's <laughs> to take a walking deadline. She knows what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to turn around <laughs> and, and go help this girl. And Trish had said that to her earlier in the episode. Trish had said, you're the only one who knows what she's going through and, and what can help her. So that that turning around and walking back to the apartment building really let us know that, okay, she's fully involved. And, and then you know cut to credits yeah so episode right. two uh why don't you go ahead and start with your five your number five and then there's the matter of your bill uh my number five would be uh jessica gr- getting grilled for the schlotman case you know why she was there and how what she's withholding to the investigators she knows something of the girl was going through but what was it we already know what it is in some way. Uh, she know there's some sort of connection between her, the girl, and whoever was giving the suggestions, which we can only assume would be Kilgrave because his name's been brought up several times. We've heard his voice. So who is this Kilgrave and what is he doing? Yeah, but she doesn't say that to the – it's interesting that she holds all that back from the detective that that she doesn't even, even mention the – Duction. All she says is that she was hired to find the girl, and he says, "Well, how'd you find her?" And he goes, "I followed the clues." And then he's like, "Well, but your clues led you to pack an overnight bag, you know." And yeah, and then you know. So I love that that scene is really great because at the same time, she knows and he knows that he has no reason to hold her. She's there's no there's no reason why he can keep her there. She hasn't done anything. She hasn't done anything to even warrant being arrested. She's she's you know warranted maybe being detained because she witnessed a murder. Yeah, but she didn't actually witness it. But you know maybe there's some question because she was outside when the murder actually occurred, or I guess it was she was in the elevator. She saw she saw the aftermath. Exactly. So yeah, so she's involved with it, you know. And and uh, I love that whole thing about. who, how many people are going to ask her about her door, her door being broken? It's like everybody, that's the first thing they say. You know, your door's broken. <laughs> She's like, yes, yeah. no, my door's broken. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, my number five uh, was uh, Trish. And who is she to Jessica? And, and I, I tried to look for clues rewatching the scenes and I, I couldn't really tell. I couldn't really tell if it was uh, supposed to be a romantic relationship, if it was a familial re- relationship. You know, uh, Trish says this this thing about uh, in in the second episode. She says, 
you should move back in with me. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean they were like romantically involved though. They could have been they, a family roommates. Yeah. It could have been just been roommates. So um, we don't know what that relationship is. And they've been estranged for a while. I think she said a year, six months or a year or something like that, that they had, mm-hmm. had not had any contact. And then of course, when she wants to invite Trish out to go have a drink, Trish is not with a yoga instructor. She's with a, a fighting, a self-defense instructor, you know? So, yeah. so it, it, it seems to me like there's something that happened between the two of them where maybe, maybe, Trish got caught up into something that Jessica was doing. And so because Jessica doesn't want Trish to be hurt anymore, she distanced herself from her and Trish doesn't want to, doesn't want to be a victim anymore. So she's going to learn how to fight. That was kind of my, my take from just these first two episodes here. Yeah. It's a good take though. Um, yeah. What I get is like, especially when Jessica states you're my best friend mm-hmm. at one point, so it shows that they were friends in some way, whether that they're family or roommates or they just grew up together. Who knows? Yeah. And it, like you said, it's more of a protection. Mm-hmm. I I, th- it, it, I felt like Jessica was staying away from Trish for some reason to protect Trish. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was my thought. But the fact that she comes back to Trish is another story. Well, and that's the that's the thing too, isn't it? Isn't that the way it is with with friends that are really close. I mean, I know I have, I I have my, probably my best friend in the world who we've known each other. He's the longest non family person. He's the person who I've known the longest. Who's not a family member. And, and we can be separate. We can be separated for weeks, months, uh, even at one point years with very little contact. But then when we come back together, it's like it's not it's like not a day's past, you know. We're yeah. we're we're that we have that kind of a friendship. So that that's what I, I definitely saw was there was definitely that kind of a friendship with the two of them. Yeah. So what was your number four? Uh, my number four is who is Kilgrave? How does he have this hold on Hope and give you know making her do what she did to her parents and doing all that? Uh, what did she mean when Kilgrave told her that she would never be as good as Jessica? Um, you know, what did Jessica do for him? Uh, what will, you know, he make her do mm-hmm. and how, you know, obviously it's through suggestion, but we don't know exactly, uh, the power of his suggestion, or maybe that is his power is that it's an, an intense suggestion to do whatever his bidding is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it's interesting because it's one of those things where even like the 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 doctor was it the doctor. Yeah, the doctor who she who she goes to the the school to find. Um, you know, even he says that the, the guy has some kind of a strange power, and uh, obviously we know that because he made this other guy give him both of his kidneys. Who gives away both their kidneys? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even think you could live without both your kidneys. Like, I didn't even think it was possible to maintain a life. Like, unless you're in one of those Un- iron lung kind of things or... Or, or a dialysis. Yeah, yeah or you're, you're yeah. constantly on dialysis. It just... 
it just seems crazy to me. So obviously this guy <laughs> has some kind of, of a weird power. Um, and that really does, it kind of leads right into my, my number four, which is, is how she found out all this stuff because she really is a good detective. She goes back. We see her go back to the news clippings of the night that Kilgrave died. And we see that flashback in her, in her, in her mind of, uh, the bus of him coming after him, chasing after her. And then he, the bus is bearing down on him and we see, and I had to watch this the second time we see him turn and somehow he gets the bus to swerve or the bus maybe just swerves on its own, but whatever the bus, the back end of the bus is what hits him. Like he didn't get hit head on by the bus. He gets hit by the back end of the bus when it's yes. kind of sliding, you know, and, uh, and that was a really cool effect. And I don't, I'm sure they had to do it digitally, but you can kind of see a body kind of fly as that bus hits it. And, uh, or maybe it was just a trick of the, the camera or what, but, uh, it was a really cool effect. Um, but then she takes those clippings. She goes to the hospital. She figures out who the doctor was then, or who the, and then through that, she figures out the ambulance driver and, Oh no, she figures out who the ambulance driver was when she goes back to the hospital. And then that brings her to the ambulance driver. She takes the picture of the dialysis machine. That brings her to the doctor, who then leads her mm. to the fact that Kilgrave is alive. And this doctor admitting that he kept him alive. And he went from being uh, whatever, he was like the number one transplant surgeon in the state to being a teacher. You know, correct. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, so I thought that was really just her whole, her detective skills, uh, were really, really good. And that brings you to your number three. Yep. That it is. Uh, my number three would be, uh, Luke Cage's connection with Jessica and her investigation. Uh, you see, uh, Jessica looting through Luke's, uh, medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. And in that cabinet, you you see a picture of a woman in there. And it looked familiar to her, like she knew something. And I think she takes the, the picture. Well, and, and one thing that I thought was interesting, too, about that whole that whole uh, situation there was, and, and again, I had to run it back and, and listen to it again. When she's talking to him, she says, he says, who hired you? And, he, and she says... I was hired by a husband who thinks you're sleeping with his wife. Okay. And, and, and then we find out that, that the husband that is of the woman that he actually is sleeping with isn't the one that hired Jessica Jones. So did she just flat out lie or was she hired by a different husband? And it turns out that it just her, his wife wasn't sleeping with Luke Cage, or was she just being completely, uh, completely lying and just disinformation to him? I, I, I don't know. I got that she was completely lying. Yeah, I, I think that's what it had to be. I'm probably reading way more into it than I was than I was thinking. Uh, it's probably just was a bald faced lie. We don't know why she's following him, why she's taking the pictures. Um, I, I don't think it's because of what the woman said. Oh, you're just you just want to get get them all to yourself. I don't, I don't think that's, that's what the situation is. Maybe, but I, I think there's gotta be something deeper there. Like she's looking for more superpowered people or, or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and that brings me to my number three. Yes. Yes. Uh, the creepy relationship of those upstairs neighbors. I don't know what's going <laughs> on there. You know, they come to the door. The woman's dressed weirdly. I still don't know what she was wearing. And he's got like no pants on. And they're they're getting <laughs> dinner. They're making dinner. You know, and I'm like, and obviously <laughs> arguing over wine. Yeah, and they're arguing over wine. And then she's asking if he washed his hands. And and uh, and then later on, uh, you know, she she looks at Jessica Jones. And she says, "Stay away from him, you cougar," you know. <laughs> and and uh, I'm like, I'm like, what exactly? You know, he says we're twins, fraternal. Like again, that's one of those that's one of those jokes of TV and, and stuff that, that always makes me laugh. That that male and female twins need to say that they're fraternal. Uh, yeah you know no we're identical just two different sexes um, oh wow but, uh, <laughs> you know uh so I, that that whole relationship and, and i'm uh again i kind of these peripheral characters i'm interested in in seeing some more of that that kind of stuff and i hope we get some more of weirdness that. yeah that weirdness <laughs> of that building to see if maybe that's just a weird weird attracting building <laughs> well you you already have malcolm you already have the twins yeah uh, exactly. what else is there you know exactly <laughs> so all right uh that would lead me to my number two. two uh my number two would be the uh the flashback that jessica has mm-hmm. uh shows somebody with a british accent who we can assume is kilgrave and he's yelling at her as uh, she has blood on her hands. I didn't notice the blood on her hands. Okay. And what was with that memory? Uh, you know, that definitely alluded pretty much uh, like you were saying with the, the whole bus scene. That was that whole scene. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, and uh, she she was walking away and him wanting her. And then that's when that bus happened. Okay. So it it, it was like as if he was trying to stop her with some sort of suggestion. Mm-hmm. And then she was just not doing it. She was walking away from yeah, it or maybe whatever, whatever the thing was that he had her do that got that blood on her hands is is kind of what snapped her out of it. Whether he had her kill someone or or do something uh, like that, um, we don't know because, you know, she does make a big deal about that with with the lawyer, with Jerry, about the fact that Hope was not in control of herself. And, yeah, and there and Jerry just keeps trying to explain to her. There's no way we can prove that, you know, because these superpower things you can't. You're not going to be able to prove that somebody with superpowers, you know, if if just a normal psychologist or psychiatrist was able to manipulate someone with their words to get them to do something violent, yes, the doctor is going to be kind of held responsible, but the person is going to be more responsible. But when yeah. it's a superpower, they actually are, you know, forcing you with their power to do something, then you really have no control. You know, you, you had no way of stopping it. So that's that's interesting. Hmm. Um, and that brings me to my number two. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I love that. When, I love that she when she uh, is in the hospital and she says uh, that she used to work at Seattle Grace and the other the, uh, the other woman goes you mean the tv the tv hospital you know from uh, yeah. from gray's anatomy and i used to be in fact it's it's kind of funny this came up uh i used to be a, a i used to watch gray's anatomy all the time and i stopped watching when they uh okay 
Spoiler alert for anyone who's a Grey's Anatomy fan. <laughs> Skip ahead a few seconds. Two, one. I stopped watching after Derek Shepard was killed and have not watched since. So, um, and, and I had a similar situation with the Star Trek Discovery, uh, not Star with Star Trek, the, the Next Generation uh, character from many, many years ago that I still hold a grudge for. So, really? Yeah. You, that with, with what's her name? Denise Crosby. <laughs> yeah, I will not watch. I will not watch Next Generation. Heck, I think First Contact is the only one of those movies that I watched. Maybe I watched. Gen- What's the one that had all four of them in it? That had Kirk and Picard and somebody uh, somebody else in it. Generations. I think it was Generations. Yeah, yeah it had so, uh, had Kirk and Picard trapped on the island yeah. with. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I saw that. I saw, but you know, yeah, TNG. No, I'm all, I'm out. Denise Crosby, you, they killed her off. I don't. It's, it's well, a, that was in the second season, wasn't it? First season, first season. It's deep. It's late in the first season. This is a deep, deep, bitter grief. All right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Brian had mentioned that to me. <laughs> anyway, um, what's your number one? <laughs> Uh, my number one is definitely that whole Luke Cage and Jessica realizing that he's special just like her. Uh, you know, the being a little bit out of context and saying, "Here, look," and he has this right. Yeah, he's trying to destroy himself, and he can. The blatant's actually not doing anything. It's like uh, I'm unbreakable. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit over the top. But... <laughs> Was there a reason for that? Do you think that he, like, I, I understand. Maybe she's the first other superpowered person that he's met. Do you think? Or yes, okay. That yeah, that, that would make sense. Then I guess why he he would he would kind of fixate and and go to her place and and stuff. So I, I can kind of see that. I guess. Um. Uh, yeah. My yeah, number one. Uh, my number one is is you talked about Kilgrave already, and and we talked about him uh, a little a little bit. Um. And, you know, obviously it's not a spoiler if for anybody who's uh, watching the show because the, his name is in the in the credits. It's it's he's the last actor listed in the main credits, which is David Tennant, because uh, that's at the end of the credits says, and David Tennant. And we haven't actually seen him yet, but we do get a glimpse of him uh, enough of his face, I think, to recognize him when he shuts the closet door on the children at the end of the episode. He, he, you can see the bottom part of his face, and you can see his hairline, and it's a, it's a very obvious hairline. They did not, uh, they gave him the same kind of, apparently the the same kind of hairstyle he had playing Doctor Who, uh, so uh, you can definitely see that that's David Tennant playing that very creepy British, uh, British guy that we still don't really know what all of his powers are, but he's he's definitely got something going on there, and I don't know what's going to happen with his family, but. And don't feel too good about him. Yeah, he's the big baddie, as yeah. we could tell right away from that that scene. So, um, uh, those couple, that was our pretty much our top five. A uh, couple of little things, and and that we've gotten the notes here, and I've already already said Malcolm's quote about the the peanut butter um, when she is up there talking to that. 
that neighbor, that upstairs neighbor couple, she says, you know why, I, why I, I'm alone or why I live alone, something like that. And the, the guy says, people don't like you. <laughs> that, that line made me laugh, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that people. And then she says, uh, I don't care a bag of, I don't give a bag of dicks about what your, um, what your fetish <laughs> is or, or something like that. Uh, it was a very Abraham, uh, from the walking dead kind of, uh, kind of line. Um, and I was a little confused by this. Maybe you can help me out. When when sure. they're when they're in the television station or the radio station, that Trish talks thing, she's st- sitting at the table and she's with her producer going over. I assume it's her producer or her intern or something going over photographs. Some people come to to the to the office and he says, "You better cover up." And then she mm-hmm. puts her jacket on. She and, has bruises on a, on her arms. Oh, the okay. I didn't notice. I didn't notice the bruises. So those would be the bruises from her training sessions from the, the with the trainer. That that yeah. makes sense then. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. They they're afraid that oh she's getting beat up or something. Gotcha. That, that but uh, it's not a television station. If you look, it's just a microphone. Oh, okay, so it's a, like a radio station, probably like a call in show or something. Trish talks. Like they exactly. Kept, like Trish talks. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me then. Thank you. That was it. That confused me a little bit because I didn't. I didn't put it together with the the scene at the end where she's got the blood coming out of her nose from from fighting with the trainer. So now I now I got you. Okay. All right. Uh, I just had a few. Uh, you know, you were talking about Jerry and uh, being the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Car- what are? Yeah, Ca- Carrie Ann Moss, mm-hmm. and. Uh, what is her relation with Jessica? Apparently, they have a history together. Yeah. So, uh, what is that history? So, uh, are we going to see this later on? What's going to happen? So, I find it very funny and interesting because her secretary comes in and says, Jerry, talk to your wife. She knows. What does her, <laughs> what yeah. does her wife know? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, well, we it, saw it's that. really weird. Yeah, well, we saw that. We saw the scene between Carrie Ann, between Jerry and her secretary. Uh, kind of kissing and having a, that that kind of a passionate uh, kind of makeout session, and then later we see her Carrie Ann Moss with another woman who she seems uh. seems to be living with, and so I the assumption I made was that that other woman is the wife, and like they're you know different states have different rules about. Uh, who can marry and, and stuff. And, and so they must be in a state, I guess, New York. I don't know if New York has a, 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 those kind of liberal marriage laws or not. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's it's the yeah. show. It's for the show. So I, that's, that's the impression I got was that that other woman she's married to, or she's in a, a relationship with, and she's basically having an affair with her secretary, you know, it's, or, it's, or other people or, or, and, or, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that was pretty much all I really had. Uh, that was the interesting part that I had. Uh, I the only other thing I had was about who is Kilgrave and what does he have to do with Jessica. But obviously, we've been going through, and yeah. apparently, there's a long history, and that's where her PTSD comes from. And uh, you know, the other question I might have had would be: Is did you ever notice that she's constantly wearing that leather jacket? Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't really. Yeah, but but she also had it off sometimes. So maybe 
I don't know. Yeah, but it, it, it seemed pronounced no matter where she goes at certain times, she has that leather jacket. Yeah. So what is that meaning? It, it could be kind of like that belt that, and I don't know if, it, if this is, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole superhero thing about a uniform, maybe. Um, like if, if you know, and I noticed it in the second watch through that, that, uh, Luke Cage wears a very kind of distinctive belt, um, around his waist. Um, it's kind of like a double stitch. I don't know. It, it would just look distinctive to me. And, and that's what I would think. Maybe her leather jacket is kind of like her, her uniform, her, when she's not undercover or, you know, at home drinking, she's got her leather jacket on. She's a woman after my own heart. She's at home drinking. Um, so, <laughs> hitting the gym. Got a little gym beam that she was hitting there. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the only things that I had. Okay. You know, there, there weren't anything f- fantastic. It's pretty much what we topped on already, yeah. except for a few nuances. But that's about it. Yeah. Um, go ahead with your comic, your comic talk. Uh, my comic talk. Uh, well, literally, uh, with comic talk. We just talk about whatever's coming out, what's new, what's fresh. Uh, obviously, Infinity Wars is coming out, so we're all hyped and prepped for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. I just got out of seeing uh, last night yeah last night <laughs> the walking dead at the, the movie theater so we saw survival sunday that was pretty awesome to see on the big screen yeah. honestly and it, it was nice to see it with a crowd of people because everybody laughed and everybody jumped and ooed at certain parts that really made sense yeah and uh, it was nice to actually see that with a crowd Aside from within your home, and if you have your own home surround sound system or a big TV, it's nice to have that little comfort space. But it's nice to see something like that big on the screen. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I enjoyed that very much. It was really cool to do. And then, of course, you walk out with a nice little poster for yeah. for the night. You know, nice. And I did see. I did get a call. I haven't had a chance to go pick it up yet. Uh, you mentioned the Oblivion song uh, number two is out. Uh, my yes. local comic book shop called me last week and said that it was pulled, and so I need to go. I need to go pick that up here this week. Um, uh, the only other thing I have would be American Gods came out in comic book form. I don't know. I just picked it up. I haven't read it. Uh, there's issue one and two. I got to look and verify because I have the original uh, trade and uh, verify if it's the same or is just the continuing saga because. With uh, American Gods coming back for another season, and they're looking to continue, and Neil Gaiman hinted at the fact that he was going to write something to continue the series after the initial trade. I'm thinking that's what this is, so until I get to that point of reading it, I'll find out. Did you read the book? Not just the trade paperback. The Did you actually read the, the book, the American Gods book? Yes, okay. I, I have the American Gods book uh, itself. Actually, you can find it at Barnes & Noble. They have a nice, uh, p- not not a paperback, but a hardcover oh, nice. of it with a nice binding to it. Uh, it's a double feature. It has uh, another story, a short story at the end uh, that Gaiman had done. But uh, it actually is like maybe 20 bucks. Yeah, I thought And the... for a $20 hardcover, it's pretty good. I thought the first season... Um, of the TV show was 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 decent. I thought it it did a good job of of capturing some parts of the book, but there was there was so much that was left out, and they they really jumped around quite a bit in the book. 
um, yes, from the book in the TV show that I got I got confused at one point. I was like, wait a minute, this hasn't this isn't supposed to happen yet, you know. Um, and then just the, the whole insertion of the the character of, of his wife uh, playing a much more a much bigger role uh, in the TV show than she did in in the book really uh, was was interesting too. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how the second season goes but uh, uh i don't know i'm <laughs> i'm torn about the, the whether the second season is going to be good or not i mean obviously i'll watch it i have stars so i'll i'll be watching it but uh um i don't know i there were some things and i have to go back and rewatch the series to and remember the book to to remember those things that that bothered me but there were a few things that i was just kind of like eh, i don't like what they did with that. And, and I mean, I, I love what they did with the wife's character. Now, don't get me wrong. That was really great. I think she was a good insertion into the show, but still yes. uh, some other things that they did. I didn't, I didn't like. So. Agree with. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's almost sounds like our uh, book club when, uh, uh, Kristen was not happy <laughs> and I didn't have all the book in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm still gonna have to watch that. I, I will watch it, uh, sooner or later. Um, just to, just to see, but, uh, uh, I, I, it, I, it is different, yeah. but the, what Ben and I were actually getting to is that the heart of the book was there. Mm-hmm. There were a few things changed, but you know, uh, honestly, anybody out there read, Ready Player One, and then go see the movie, Absolutely. and then just make your analysis on it. I could say the same thing when it came to Jurassic Park because yeah. Jurassic Park I read first, and then I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they made it into a movie because that's how much involved in music I was at the time. And my girlfriend said, "Oh, they're re-releasing it in the theater." Mind you, I did not even know it was released in the theater. Mm-hmm. That's how much of a less lack of life I had outside of right. working in music. So uh, I did, and I'm like, okay, this is different. It, yeah. it is very different from the book. But the thing was is the heart of the story was in these movies, and that's what really matters. Yeah, it, it was. In Jurassic Park, I was the same thing. I read Jurassic Park, the book, first, and then I, and then I went and saw the movie. And I was, I was a little disappointed with some of the, some of the things they did. I, the, the noticeable thing for me about Jurassic Park was they, the, the big game hunter – they had him, you know, he does die in the book, but he dies, it's different in the book how he dies because he knows they're going to trap him. He knows they're going to, that the, the other one is going to sneak up alongside him. Mm-hmm. And, but yet in the movie, they acted like he didn't realize that, that he was surprised by that. That was really the only thing that really bothered me about the, the different, the, the Hammond surviving thing was just kind of like, well, okay. Um, but that, the death of the, the, the hunter, kind of it bothered me a little bit because i was just like you didn't have to do it that way you could have you could have followed the book better with his death you didn't have to have him die looking like an idiot so yeah that is true so, yeah especially since they used those in the very beginning of the movie they you know he you have uh alan grant talking to the kid about you know you know, as you're looking at one dead in the face, you don't realize that the other two on the side are coming to attack you exactly and it just happens to the hunter and Right. It, it's kind of foreshadowing, but 
Uh, it, you would think the hunter would know that right, right away. Right. And like I said, in, in the book, he does. Because in the book, he, he says that that's what they're going to do. And she, he goes, I know she's going to do this. And so I'm going to do this. And then he ends up, I remember exactly how he gets killed, but I know he does. So that, yeah, that's, we're not talking about Jurassic Park though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there anything else? I'm trying to think. There was something else that came up in the, in, in my rewatch, um, the main, uh, the main show and, and and I try to send when I send my feedback uh, to you guys I'll send one to talk through and I send I'll send a briefer one to uh Walking Dead cast because they get so much uh that oh, they, yeah. they, you know they I don't they don't need to sift through but I try to send different things to the shows it, not not uh opposite theory not opposite because I I'm going to express my feelings the same way but uh, yeah. uh, different things I, I try to send to both shows so it doesn't sound like I'm I'm just regurgitating the same the same takes on, on both podcasts. Um, but the, the one thing I had to go back today and rewatch after watching talking dead was, I don't know what happened to me last night. I don't know if I wasn't drinking. Okay. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I don't know if I zoned out or, or, or took a nap or what, but I saw them, them find Alicia on the road uh, at the end of fear. And, and then she had the knife uh, to, um, Al's throat and Al said, what the hell is your story? And that was all I could remember. I totally blanked on Nick and uh, the black guy and the other girl coming out of the brushes and, and taking everybody else's weapons. I don't know how I completely missed that, but they talked, Uh, they talked about it on talking dead. And I was like, I don't remember that happening. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It was kind of, well, the thing was the ending was kind of fast. Yeah. And I noticed that in the theater, and what made me laugh was when after the regular main show ended, a lot of people left. They didn't want to stay for fear. Really? So I I would say we had about 300 people in the theater, and then at least a good 20 to 30 people left. And I'm like, this this is ridiculous. The better part's coming up now. You got a season premiere. Yeah. Uh, of something that that's going to be better, but obviously some people are just loyal to just one show. Yeah, well, and I I really liked that they they didn't they didn't focus on those those other characters. They let us, and I, I said this in one of my one of my feedbacks. They let us get to know the new characters before bringing in those old characters. Because I'm not caught up on fear, but they said you don't need to be in order for you to watch this season of fear. So I wasn't I wasn't breaking my my back to try to catch up on all of fear. Um, because actually, my my thought about this is, and they said you don't necessarily have to watch the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. You could literally come in stone fresh and not have seen one episode of Fear of the Walking Dead and just started as if it was a new show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's a good idea. For the fact, the way they ended off here mm-hmm. was kind of like a resolution to some sort of story. Now it's just a continuation, a next story yeah. in these people's lives. But you start to learn. They probably go through what happened, where they were, what, how it started in some way. Uh, kind of like how Morgan explains where he came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, he talks about, oh, I had a... Uh, where you, where'd you come from? Oh, there were two, you know, there was a battle and, <laughs> you know, there was a place called the kingdom and there was, uh, had a king yeah. and he had a pet tiger and then she yeah. gets a laugh out of that and yeah. things like that. 
So I'm pretty sure they're going to bring that up when they meet, or Morgan, when Morgan and John meet uh, the the original characters, and then they have to explain where they come from. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm and, sure. Yeah, I, I'm glad because I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm just not gonna break my. Like I said, I'm not gonna break my back to try to catch up on all the fear. I I may try to catch up on it just so I'm kind of aware of what's going on. But uh, I I'm excited. I, I've not been excited for fear. Um, I'm pleasantly excited for what season eight season nine of the walking Dead? nine nine of the walking <laughs> dead what that's gonna what that's gonna be because obviously they they've they've got a lot they've got more story that they can tell but they did close out a lot of the stories so i i'm uh, i'm intrigued to see where they go from here um well they did close out and uh the one thing that really kind of like irked me was that whole end Maggie scene with Daryl and uh, Jesus and I, I was uh, my mouth just hit the floor in the theater I'm like you gotta be what yeah. <laughs> what's was, going on here I was kind of surprised that they left that left that scene in um, you'd almost think that they would they would have gone ahead and, and cut that out if they don't know if Lauren Cohen's coming back or not Um Exactly. Because because really, if something happens and she doesn't come back, then how do you how do you explain that? Uh, You know, so it's I'm like I'm not as I'm not as mad. I'm not necessarily I wasn't surprised about it. I was surprised at Daryl, Daryl being part of it. I was a little surprised at Jesus. But on on Talking Dead, um, who was it? Was it Andrew Lincoln or was it? Gimple or Kirkman, one of them, I think it was either Gimple or Kirkman was talking about, they asked that question about why would Jesus be willing to be part of that? And uh, yeah, I think it was Kirkman uh, who explained that, well, for Jesus, he wants the, the other saviors to live. Yeah. The saviors that are, are basically innocent to live, but he recognizes the need to kill. That's the difference between Morgan and, and, and Jesus, Jesus recognizes that, okay, there is sometimes when you do have to kill. And so Jesus recognizes that Negan needs to die. And huh. Negan needs to die. I don't, uh, I can't believe they left him alive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, everybody, for coming. But if you want to submit your feedback, please submit your theories and feedback. Go to the, our Facebook group. It's going to be called Panels to Pixels. You could uh, send email through panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. Where else can you hear us? Obviously, you could hear me, and I mentioned it before. You could hear me at, on Golden Spiral Media, The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh. You could actually hear Steve on occasion. He actually did a Star Trek Discovery panel with Brian. So I suggest you go listen to that, and Steve will go into his Denise Crosby uh, (laughs) love (laughs) and uh, go into that a little bit more. But uh, from what I heard, that was a great roundtable, and it's very long. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good, and I'd love to – any podcast that needs a co-host, that needs somebody to just sit there and and talk – I can do it. Uh, I send a lot of feedback to several of the, uh, not several, a few of the Podcastica network uh, podcasts. Uh, obviously, we're on Next Level Podcast Network. And yes. uh, Brian Malosh and Mark Kirkman's Walking Dead Talk Through is on the Golden Spiral Media uh, podcast network. 
And uh, I encourage everybody to, to go out and, and watch these shows and be part of a community. Get involved. Um, podcasts are a great way to, to meet people and uh, interact and uh, make new friends. Yeah, definitely. That's how we all met. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. And good night. Good night.